Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today, we've got some great stories of revenge, and our first story of the day is from an anonymous poster. Landlord thinks it's the 1950s, so I'll take him up on that. I, 27-year-old male, live in a house share in the UK and live with three guys, T, S, and F. Now, I'm female to male trans, and my landlord knows this, but because he's in his 60s to 70s, he thinks I've been brainwashed and still refers to me as a woman. This landlord is incredibly racist and sexist. Every time he comes to visit the house, he makes comments like, I don't know why the house being a mess is a problem. You're a woman. You should be cleaning and leave the men to work even though I work more hours than all the guys in the house combined, and has made racist remarks about certain girls that S brings back home. He has a thing for Asian girls, like, I thought S hired a cleaner, might as well make use of her once she's used up. So last week, the landlord came over. I knew he would make some kind of remark, so I recorded the conversation and put my phone in my pocket. Lo and behold, he didn't fail to make sexist comments, and the subject of cleanliness in the house came up. He said, I shouldn't have to see the boys lift a finger. I always make sure there's at least one female in the house so that's done for them. After all, what else are females good for? Followed by, if this was the 50s or 60s back in my day, you'd be at home with many kids cooking and cleaning. Stop whining or I'll raise your rent. When I asked him to stop making sexist and arrogant comments, I even found out that the landlord had lowered F's rent because he did some cleaning on his own. Poor thing. Gotcha. So he wants to have it that way and refuses to see me as male? Sure thing. So I took my recording and went to the agency. It's a small letting agency that are really good with things like complaints and dealing with landlords directly. All the people on the front desk and in the office? Women. I turned on the recording and let them listen. They were absolutely shocked and some were nervous because they thought I wanted, and very well could, make a lawsuit out of this for discrimination. So instead of doing that, I felt it was only necessary to hurt the landlord financially. Well, if he wants it to be like the 50s, I can make that happen. What was the woman's working wage in the 50s? We calculated it together, and it came to be substantially a lot lower than what I was currently paying. I mean, 85% lower than what I was paying right now. The letting agency allowed me to pay what the equivalent of a woman's wage was back then for this month, and possibly next month's rent, not only because they were absolutely horrified with what was being said, but because it would be a lot less cheaper than me resorting to legal action against them anyway. Phone call from the landlord yesterday asking me what the freak I think I'm doing. I said, well, if you had treated me with decency and respect, this wouldn't have happened. I'm well within my rights to do this, since you wanted things to be like in the 50s, you got what you wanted. Or I can take legal action for discrimination based on race, sexuality, gender, hung up. So I'm gonna keep paying this amount of rent until he can treat me like how he does the cis males in the house. Is anybody else curious why this landlord's over so much anyways? I mean, I get that not all landlord situations are equally the same, but 
our landlords and especially ones that have letting agents usually not supposed to be around all that often let alone this guy's behavior does the fact that he's around that much strike anybody else's odd or am i overthinking it let me know what you guys think in the comments down below our next story is from the wrench wench complain about something that has nothing to do with you allow me to correct it i female five foot ten work in a parts department we have a technician here, male, 5 foot 2 ish, who is a miserable human being, a bully to anyone and everyone, consistently rude for no reason, demanding, and demeaning. Our department is under massive construction. As such, we have very little storage, and the department is a mess. No trip hazard, but cluttered. I've worked hard at keeping floor space safe and clear, as I'm going to be wheelchair bound shortly due to reconstructive surgery to fix a lifelong problem with my feet and legs. Now, this doesn't directly affect him, as no one other than the authorized parts personnel are authorized in our storage areas. This technician has been horrible, especially to me, especially since construction started and we're short-staffed. If we don't have parts immediately ready for him, he yells and swears. He complained about the mess and now I have to have every part on a shelf. Cue malicious compliance. Everyone in my department is around my height. We never use the top of the units. I've now moved every common part needed by technicians to the tops of our shelves. By stretching, all parts personnels are able to easily reach these parts. I've also gotten the rude tech exclusive permission for him to be able to come back and grab parts. The finale. We have a stepladder, hollow metal tube type. This is supposed to be for parts use, but Rude Tech constantly steals it, leaving it outside or where it shouldn't be. He hates asking for it, and refuses to ever accept or ask for help for reaching for things. Remember the aforementioned construction? Well, we're pouring concrete today. The construction workers were more than happy to fill the hollow tubes of the ladder with new concrete. So now I get to watch this jerk, who's made his toxic masculinity everyone else's problem, lug this 60-pound ladder around. All because he couldn't just be a decent human. I kind of like to subscribe to the belief that if you're a jerk for no reason to the people you work with, like I mean you are just straight up rude, you've never been polite or kind, at least like, even if your actions aren't necessarily nice, at least like be courteous in exchanges, then if your teammates go and put roadblocks in your way or don't really help you out at all, you kind of deserve it. I feel like if somebody acts like that in a workplace, that's them kind of justifying that you can do little things to get back at them and annoy them a little bit, as long as it doesn't put your job in jeopardy. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next stories from Spin Ones are the best. Don't drink my soda. Well, I did warn you. A long time ago, I was washing dishes in a Denny's restaurant. As dishwashers, we were allowed one soda per shift. My work partner and I kept our sodas on a little shelf near where the bus boys would put the full tubs of dishes. One of them thought it was funny to put down the bus tub, pick up our soda and drink half of it, put it back on the shelf and run away laughing. I asked him not to do it several times, he kept doing it. But instead of getting mad, I got even. Restaurants buy cases of frozen steaks and set them out to thaw in big stainless steel tubs. After all the steaks are taken out and cooked, there's usually a quarter inch of blood with miscellaneous bits in it left in the bottom of the pan. I grabbed a glass out of the bus tub that had ice in it, poured it full of old cow blood, added a straw, and put it in the usual spot. Same guy comes running back with a tub of dishes, puts it down and grabbed the glass. 
I yell across the kitchen at him, don't drink that, and he just laughed at me and chugged about half of it like he usually did. He got a real funny look on his face and asked me, what was that? I said, cow blood, want some more? And tipped the pan up so he could see the cascade of grisly bits and old blood running to the bottom. He headed straight for the nearest trash can, and I think he threw up everything he had eaten in the last week. Took him about 10 minutes. On the bright side, the busboys quit drinking our sodas after that. 100 million percent, this is one of these cases of revenge that are so good that these busboys wouldn't dare ever think about drinking your soda again just for the principle of what they did to you because they wouldn't stop. If their first form of revenge was making you drink half a cup of grisly old cow blood, God forbid you don't want to find out what they do the second time. Our next story is from She Loves Me. I hid my mom's money around the house when I was younger. You may think I was just a witchy kid, which I was, but I had a reason to do what the title says. So when I was 13, I started writing about how I felt and writing songs, poems, etc. about it. My mom, being the controlling selfish witch she was, used to take them off me when I was asleep or at school and rip them up or hide them in her room. When I first found out she did this, I just took them back and hid them under my bed. There was a lot of personal stuff written on them, and I didn't want anyone reading them. Fast forward a few weeks, I got fed up with her always hiding my things and ripping them up. So, younger me decided it'd be a good idea to hide five pounds each day somewhere around the house. The more she hid from me, the more money I hid from her. I ended up taking 60 pounds before she realized that I was the one hiding her money. It stopped her from taking my stuff, so I was happy about it. It's not the prettiest thing I've done, but I still find it funny. Does anybody else think this is actually a very advanced form of revenge for a young kid? Like this is non-violent, non-destructive, and it's pretty much doing exactly what the mom was doing to them, but with something that matters to the mom. Like actually a really impressive revenge. This next story is from San and Tears 1. If you're going to lie about big changes to your business, be sure to clean up your messes first. In the height of COVID, I was following along with a kayak group. They'd send out emails announcing events, updates, etc. Somewhere in this mix, the owner took it upon himself to send out a mass email with some pretty racist rhetoric, specifically around COVID. So knowing he also runs a kayak shop, I took a screenshot and posted it to his Yelp with a comment something along the lines of, dude apparently thinks I want a little racism with my paddle. What ensued was a crazy string of responses from this individual claiming he couldn't be racist because his wife is Chinese. She's not Chinese. How offended he was to be called a racist, not offended by being racist, etc. I figured I'd leave it and let subsequent readers judge for themselves. And judge they did. Cut to a few months ago, they changed their name, started deleting less than professional responses he left and started leaving comments saying, oh, it's under new ownership. We hope you'll give us a chance, etc. It's not about punishing people for someone else's crimes, so I started asking around. It's a small area. I know people who know people, and I want to make sure I know what's going on before I remove this review. As it turned out, I needed to go no further than their website to confirm that there was no change in ownership. Even with what looks like a reasonably intelligent management consulting service, they apparently couldn't convince the owner to take his personal footprint off literally everything. I am profoundly petty and I don't like being manipulated, let alone by someone that inept or egotistical, not 100% sure which it was in this case, probably both. 
I responded to the new ownership comment clarifying the actual arrangement. Then I posted pictures of their website with a tip showing just how little you need to do to confirm. The manager tried to get my updates removed, so I reposted progressively making it worse every time. This went on for days until they took down all their responses to my original review. I forced their hand to take certain features off the website. They also had to disconnect from the original group I was following because ownership is pretty obvious when you're directing sales through said group. One friend group in particular has deep connections to the kayak community in the area, so I also called her directly to let her know all their old problems with the original owner are just as relevant now because ownership has not changed. In all honesty, had they left my review alone, I probably would have forgotten about the whole thing. Lie to me to try to save face, and I'll make sure everybody knows. It's not exactly a perfect example, but it still pretty much harkens the Streisand effect, which is the age-old situation of someone trying to go out of their way to censor or cover up something from having publicity, and therefore because they're going out of their way to do this, it blows up even bigger than it originally would have been. Basically back in the day, somebody took an aerial picture of some area and Barbara Streisand's mansion was in the picture and she didn't want it publicized or whatever and sued for violation of privacy. And that caused a firestorm about this whole situation and the picture existing and the photo of her mansion. If she just would have left it alone, nobody would have really cared. Our next story is from Firm Association 147. If you can walk in the street, so can I. Every year, my city has a marathon. Due to the race route, it's impossible to cross certain streets for hours at a time. There's no detours, half the city is literally blocked in from the rest. And every year, the notification of when this race happens is poor or non-existent. Yes, it happens at the same time every year, but not on the same day or weekend. It can vary. If you're lucky, you get an intersection that has a cop working traffic who will find a lull and wave you through. I get this is on the city and organizers more so than the participants, and it's only once a year, but there's a lot of races in our city and none of them are as poorly executed or block roads as much as this one. Well this year, I'm pregnant and was craving breakfast from a particular cafe, which is on the other side of one of the streets that gets blocked off. They were having a special menu they only do one month a year, and the rest of the weekends I couldn't make it due to scheduling conflicts. So my husband and I get up and start driving, and turns out, it's marathon day. We drive as close as we could get and I had my husband park legally, there was no cop directing traffic. The cafe was less than two blocks away. The organizers, as usual, thanked us for our support, patience, and sharing the road, and told us the street was blocked for another few hours. Well, I decided if the marathoners could walk in the street, there's no reason we couldn't walk across really quick too. I got a lot of dirty looks and what are you doings and runners having to dodge around us. But honestly, it took less than 10 seconds and affected maybe a dozen runners. If we're sharing the road, I can have a turn too, right? We're all pedestrians. As far as I see it, you might feel a little frustrated that you're upsetting these people and especially the people that are running. But at the end of the day, if anybody either participating or watching has a problem with you cutting across that street when you can't even take a car to that side of the city, then they all need to take it up with the city and the organizers of the race. Because it just seems a bit ridiculous the way OP's describing it. I mean, at the end of the day, people gotta be able to get around. God forbid people with no other option walk across a street real quick. 
Our next story is from Crisco Crisco, a poisoned apple. A story from my days as a grad student in chemistry, late 1984 or early 1985, reporting a revenge dispensed by another. First-year chemistry grad students shared a large, multi-desk office that included a refrigerator for storing food. No chemicals. One morning, one of the other students discovered that overnight, an apple he was keeping in the refrigerator had been stolen. After asking around to determine that none of us had taken it, he devised a revenge. He left a note in the refrigerator saying, as best as I remember all these years later, The apple you stole yesterday had malic acid in it. You mess with a chemist at your own peril. The next day, a night janitor reported to the health center stating that he'd been poisoned, but no punishment was meted out to the grad student poisoner. Malic acid is the naturally occurring chemical that makes apples taste tart, and the apple had not been adulterated. You mess with a chemist at your own peril. Yeah, but did you know a little known fact that every single person that's ever eaten an apple is going to die? If you've eaten an apple, it'll catch up with you even if it takes a hundred years. Gotta be careful around that malic acid. Our next story is from Grumpy Snarf. Steal my cherished toy airplane and get away with it because of gendered BS? Enjoy the cold, searing revenge a year later. Setting 1982 Los Angeles metro area. I was a six or seven year old girl. My grandpa bought me a cool toy airplane. It was a green dual. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool propeller fighter plane made of metal. I took it to school one day for show and tell. I'd researched the plane and who flew it during battle, etc., and was ready for my report. I took it out at recess. This little crap Victor asked to play with it, then he wouldn't give it back. I cried and complained to the teacher, and the principal got involved and said I must be lying because girls don't play with that stuff. He refused to look at my proof, the report I wrote for the presentation. So Victor, smirking, got to take it with him. I wasn't able to do my report and got a zero on the assignment. I was ahead in reading and other subjects, usually a teacher's pet. I wasn't used to getting some poor grades or being called a liar, so the incident was devastating for that reason, more than the loss of the plane. My mom came to pick me up from school and I told her what happened. She immediately parked and stormed the principal's office and tore him a new one. We showed him my notes for the report. He apologized and went to look for Victor. Well, Victor was gone by then. The principal said there was nothing the school could do to make him give it back. I was pissed. I was like, can't you give him detention until he returns it? But they were wimps about it and told me to drop it. Victor would make airplane noises and make his hand into a little airplane around me when no one else understood what he was doing. 
He was a little sociopath. I hated him but was pretty powerless about it. Fast forward about six months. My mom started working 16-hour shifts on weekends only, and I would get babysat for the whole weekend, spending the night. I was at one couple's house for about a year, but they tried to baptize me against my will without telling my mom. She was pissed and fired them. She had to work the next weekend and was desperate for a babysitter. Fortunately, a friend pointed her in Consuela's direction. Consuela, let's call her C, was a 50-something-year-old grandma with a hundred kids at her house that she would watch at all hours. She had a bunch of teen and 20-something-year-old boys of her own. She was originally from Mexico, and they spoke almost exclusively Spanish. Consuela was a hard-working woman. She also had a full-time job during the weekdays and did great with kids. But she had a temper. Her boys were slovenly and would mope about. She would holler at them. When she hollered, we all fell in line. Or you got the business end of her wooden spoon. Sometimes she would yell at me, but I didn't understand as my Spanish was pretty rudimentary. I was taking it in school and had quite a few Spanish-speaking friends, but when Consuela would yell, I would get stressed and not understand. I would usually just hide under the bed and stay out of sight. I realized after a while that Consuela mostly was bark and got used to her after a while and learned how to not piss her off. She called me her good girl and I rarely got in trouble, but I harbored some hard feelings towards Consuela as you can imagine. One Saturday, after about six months of staying at Consuela's house on weekends, mom drops me off, and who do I see in the living room but Victor? I was like, oh heck no, now I have to be around this little crap and try to avoid getting yelled at all weekend? Ugh. But then a plan came to me. I observed that Victor didn't speak much Spanish. He was half Mexican but lived with a non-Spanish-speaking parent after a divorce, and he was out of his element. Gone was the smirking butthead. He had big eyes, full of fear. The first time Consuela went off on her boys in front of Victor, he was stunned. The son got fired from his job, and when he told her, she chased him around the house with her spoon. He was twice her size and was completely cowed by her. Victor surmised that if the big guy was scared of Consuela, then he better stay out of her way. Consuela was a great cook, but used the cheap cuts of meat and cut corners to feed all those kids. The next day after Victor started coming, a Sunday, she gave us sandwiches for lunch. As an adult, I love avocados, but as a kid, I thought they were grody. She handed us a chicken gristle with a huge slab of avocado. One simply does not refuse to eat Consuela's food. It is a surefire way to get hollered at. Victor ate his in the other room, unobserved by anyone. I took a few bites in front of Consuela to show her I was eating it. I looked for a way to dispose of it, like giving it to the dog or something like I usually did when I didn't like what I was given, but the dog was out with one of Consuela's sons. Then the plan came all together. Consuela's son, who was home watching TV, got up to go to the bathroom or something. I lightning fast hucked the sandwich under the son's easy chair where it wouldn't have been seen. Then I go about my day and go back home that night. I see Victor at school all week, and he went back to his smirking BS about the airplane business from before. That Saturday, we were back at Consuela's house all weekend, and he's the meek little angel like last weekend. Consuela goes in the TV room and says, What's that smell? in Spanish. I froze up. I was scared, but this was it. This was my moment. I was all innocent. P.U. What is that? 
She made her son get up from the easy chair and lifts it to find a nasty, moldy sandwich. It was hot outside and Consuela didn't have air conditioning, so that sandwich was a fetid, moldy mess. Consuela whirls around with a crazed glare and looks around at us kids. Everyone scatters but me. I said innocently, Tia, I saw Victor in that room with a sandwich last week. Maybe he dropped it on accident, with big sweet good girl eyes. She laser focuses on Victor who runs for his life. Victor, get back here. He climbs a tree and she can't get to him. He spent some time in the tree and wouldn't come down. She went inside to call his parents to come get him. I made eye contact with Victor and made airplane noises and smiled. In that moment, he knew I had orchestrated the whole thing. I never saw him at Consuela's house again. I would see him at school and he never messed with me again. Epilogue, Inception Revenge When Consuela came back into the backyard to tell Victor his parents were coming, a dead mouse got flipped into her shoe, flip-flops. She was mortally afraid of rodents. I watched fascinated, likely smiling evilly, waiting for her to notice. She noticed my gaze, looked down, and saw the mouse in her shoe. She screamed and hollered. Later that day, I caught her looking at me, scrutinizing me. I think she understood the depths of my planful evil in that moment. Honestly, this is a great story of revenge, but does anybody else feel disappointed that OP's mom seemed to give up a little too easily? Like yes, they hounded the principal as much as possible and I fully believe that they tried their best there, but shouldn't they have tried to get information on Victor's mother? You know, get some contact information, call them, go visit them if they've got to, and actually get that toy back from Victor? I feel like they didn't do enough here. And our final story of the day is from Kehlani Wanderer. Try to turn a disabled student into a cash cow for your department? And act outside of their best interests? Get cut off early. Okay, so when I was going to school still, I dropped out of the start of year 12, for reasons that'll become clear through the story, I had a couple things happen. For a bit of context of where I started, I always had issues with bullying from like, prep basically which resulted in me flying into a rage and storming out of the classroom a lot. Like, to the point where I think the highest grade I ever achieved was a B because of how frequent it was. But that wasn't the only thing working against me. Anyways, skipping ahead through all my primary school years, I was in grade 6, not year 6 as I'll be referring to the later grades. It was a maturity thing they mentioned to us in year 7 when we were starting high school. And I decided to make the jump from primary school. I was equally happy to stay back a year, but figured what the heck, why not make the jump? Anyways, cause I was a bit behind my peers, I had an interview with a member of a department at the high school I attended. The name's changed now, but at the time it was called Sabas, cause of the suburb it's in. Now this department was called the Integration Department, and its stated purpose was to help students with disabilities or learning difficulties. Keep that in mind as you hear this story. So, the member who came out was the actual head of the department. We'll call her Lynn for the purposes of this story. Now, everything was all good, at least for now. She came and spoke to me, explaining what life was like at high school, and I decided to make the jump. I got enrolled in the school by my foster parents and started attending Sebas in 2007. Now, everything was all good. I did the usual 13-year-old thing, saw a cute girl, had a crush on her, ended up embarrassing her, but in a way that thankfully didn't tank anything about her school life, in professing my love to her, you know, the usual dumb stuff. Things were all good in year 8 as well, which was 2008. 
VHS fast forward effect. 2009 rolls around, 15 year old OP is living the year 9 kid life, and then I get assessed for potential mental disabilities. Lo and behold, signs of Asperger's syndrome. Few months go by, and yep, it's confirmed. Yours truly is an Aspie. Now, you'd think that would be a good thing for me, right? Clarity is achieved about why I struggle so much with schoolwork, and why I'm so affected by the bullying, which is true to a point. But then comes the cash register sound effect. I'm a disabled student, that means $22,000. 2010 money by this point, per term for having me at the school. Current value would be $28,364.20 with inflation. So Lynn sees dollar signs. I'm no longer a student to her, I'm a source of income. Now around this time, a group of three girls, only one of which I still remember the name of, but don't need the names for the story, start noticing that I'm actually kind of good looking, or I'm just the only boy they ain't managed to get behind the music building yet. So they start following me around, and I do everything I can to get them to leave me the heck alone, up to and including literally spitting in their faces. Like, I tried to be as disgusting as possible to turn them away, nothing worked. So, still being trusting at this point, I turn to Lynn and tell her that girls keep following me around everywhere, calling me cutie and refusing to leave me alone. Lynn's response? Why don't you just have some fun with them? It's part of the high school experience after all. Not the right thing to say. That severely eroded my trust in her. It evaporated the first day of year 11 though. Now, for context, on the last day of year 10, I was told these would be my classes. Year 10 literacy and numeracy, basically English and maths for kids that aren't able to keep up with the general classes, with VCAL classes, with one of those I believe being automotive from memory. Sounds great, right? Well, year 10 me thought so. I was so excited the entire holidays. Then I got my schedule day one of year 11. Cue the Star-Lord hears the truth of his mom's death scene, VCE history, VCE English, Year 10 General Maths? Now, because the acronyms there are super local, these are how they shake out. VCAL is Victorian Certificate of Applied Learning, hands-on, and VCE is Victorian Certificate of Education, insane amounts of writing. As you can imagine, having not been informed of this change when there was still time to revert it, I lost my proverbial crap at this. Especially since Lynn knew I couldn't handle VCE, but nope, she still put me in VCE, cause with VCAL, she would have lost the $88,000 cash for having me at the school. So the stress piled up over the year, especially in math and English, with the latter being my year 8 English teacher, but in this class, he was like the flash with how fast he would fill, wipe, and refill the blackboard. I had the fastest writer in the department as my aide for that class. She would just barely get the notes on what he wrote finished when he would start clearing the board, while I, using an old laptop loaned from the IT department, was just finishing the first thing he wrote on the board that he's just filled. Now, Lynn either didn't see or didn't care that I was being given stress upon stress upon stress, but my foster parents and my mom did. Context for me being in foster care. My father decided, when he couldn't handle me as a six-year-old, that it would be a good idea to give me to DHS, Department of Human Services, the Australian version of CPS for you Americans, and then stonewall mom until there was no hope of getting me back without fighting the government. 
and also spins six different stories involving, let's just say, underage activities of an adult nature, purportedly initiated by me, a then six-year-old kid in the year 2000. Anyways, I got dumped into foster care, and the first home I was at, I was malnourished and exposed to a child predator as well. Mom caught wind of all this and gave DHS an ultimatum here. She chooses my next home, or my story goes to the media. Early December 2003, I'm shipped off to a new home, this one shortlisted by mom and picked by me as a final say. These are my foster parents mentioned throughout. Now, returning to late 2011, mom and Anna, one of my foster parents, hatch a plan to bring me home when I turn 18. Nobody can do anything about it when I'm 18 because then I'm legally an adult. And lucky me, born just a month after the start of the school year. So over the course of a few months, Anna slowly packs a pair of suitcases with clothes and stuff that I won't miss. Fast forward to the last few days of my school life, I think like mid to late Feb 20s, Anna reveals the plan to me. I'm coming home, but it has to be kept quiet from both Lynn, who's trying to get me into youth accommodation, where the disability support pension I was now receiving would be almost entirely taken as rent, and from DHS. Anyways, with a single day to go, I say my goodbyes to the ones I consider important. Matt and Brandon, I think that was his name, from the library, who I had befriended over the years because of how much I hid in the library, and the bus drivers who did the school runs, along with my friend Jake, who I exchanged numbers with, along with my best friend Mitchell, who I gave my prized blue USB stick to, with a digital letter typed up with an explanation of what was going on, and my numbers so we could still talk. This was all on the final day, and I still smile remembering the moment that puts this whole entire story squarely into the subreddit, the piece de resistance. Me, with the second half of the contents of my school locker, the first half having been taken the day before, stuffed into my backpack until it felt like somebody was digging their fingers into my shoulders, I did the usual thing, saying goodbye to the integration department staff who were still around, and the absolute Oscar award winning lie that constituted the setup for the perfect revenge, Lynn says, see you Monday OP, and me playing the happy it's the weekend student replying, See ya Monday. Little did she know, just 24 hours later, I would be boarding a train with my mom and my younger sister, bound not for Skipton, where I'd called home for the past eight and a bit years, but rather for Rosebud with my family. Lynn wanted to use me as a cash cow for the last two years of my high school education, but I couldn't handle the stress of even two VCE classes let alone the required four classes to pass with a VCE completion. That's year 11 only, by the way. Not sure about year 12. But yeah, I got sweet revenge on that short stack of greed. Considering the entire time, OP was nothing but a paycheck to Lynn. I love that they gave them absolutely no heads up at all because they didn't deserve it. And honestly, it's way more impactful and exactly what they deserved after treating OP the way they did. I just hope for OP that when they got back with their family, things were great for them from there on out. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 